WXDX-FM, Pittsburgh. I just turned on the NHL Network and Patrick Hornquist is playing for Sweden against Russia. If there's one guy I figured could use some time off, it was number 72. A Stooge fanboy bucko blogger has put forth the notion that declining attendance at PNC Park is due to a boycott, which is absurd. There is no campaign, there are no hashtags, there is no boycott. But the general idea is, you're boycotting because they're losing, but now they're winning, and you're not showing up. What sense does that make? Blah, blah, blah. Yo, it's the quarter pull. A decent 40 games in a McCutcheon tribute video isn't quite enough to make amends. So I put forth the notion that blowing up a 98-win team in 2015 triggered a trickle-down that's still in effect. And I get told, that's stupid. They didn't disassemble that team. Stick the hockey, fat ass. So, okay. Here's exactly what happened. The Pirates won 98 games in 2015. And by the trade deadline of the 2016 season, seven key regulars were gone. Burnett and Ramirez retired. Luriano, Melanson, and Walker got traded. Happen Alvarez left via free agency. Are you going to tell me that's not blowing up a team? All it lacked was a mushroom cloud. And ever since then, the Pirates record has dropped, and so has attendance. I know what happened. You just don't want to see what happened. Sick again, brought to you by 84 Lumber, helping you build the right way since 1956. I'm watching this game, Sweden and Russia, still group play at the World Championships. Sweden leads 2-1 early in the third. I can't believe Hornquist is playing. His style, his effort, the punishment he absorbs. I would have gotten into a, a whirlpool, a jacuzzi after game six against Washington, and I'd still be lying there. Wow. I, I want to get back to what I just said about what's happened with the Pirates since 2015 because I challenge anybody out there, any Stooge Bucko fanboy, to call up and tell me that what happened was the right thing. Because when you lose 20 more games the next season and lose three more games the season after that and attendance gets cut in half between then and now, it's the wrong thing to do. At this point, there should be no defending nutting. And this attempt by the Stooges to make the Pirates into victims over declining attendance is absolutely despicable. The Pirates made $86 million over the past two seasons. That's clear profit over the last two seasons. $86 million. And the Pirates still rank 27th in payroll among MLB teams. I dare somebody to call in and defend that. But you won't. You know why? Because when it's give and take, when it's back and forth, when you can't hide behind Twitter, you're cowards. And you know you're beat. Because you know you're wrong. You know who was a bigger loss than people think? Pedro Alvarez. And I know you're thinking, well, he's a jabroni with Baltimore now. But you know what? His seven home runs this year 
would be second on the Pirates. Now, Josh Bell had 26 home runs last year playing first base, and Bell's a good player. So I guess the Pirates replaced Alvarez in time. Not in 2016. They had John Jaso at first base in 2016. I always thought Alvarez was undervalued. After the 2015 season, listen to me real carefully and tell me what part of this is wrong. After the 2015 season, the Pirates should have spent logically and reasonably. Didn't have to pay everybody. Didn't have to keep the seven names I mentioned. But they replaced Hap and Burnett with Vogelsong and Nice. And it cost them Neil Walker to get Nice. They slammed their own window shut. How can anyone argue that the Pirates did the right thing? Well, unless you're rooting for Nutting's wallet. They made $86 million over 2016 to 2017. They could spend more in the pursuit of winning and still show a healthy profit. Let's say they put $30 more million into payroll in each of the last two years. They still would have made $26 million. Probably would have made more than that because I think that investment would have been noticed and repaid in part by higher attendance. I just don't get the people who defend nothing and who, in this case, are trying to make him into a victim. But, you know, just as I suspected, the phone lines are silent about the Pirates because you know I'm right. Boy, it's real easy, isn't it, to hide behind a keyboard or hide behind a blog and go on Twitter and say, you don't know baseball, fat ass. Stick to wrestling, fat ass. Yeah, it's real easy to do that. But when it's time to pick up a phone and go one-on-one with somebody who is your superior in every way, in every way, be it intellect, baseball knowledge, charisma, and I have all the facts on my side too. You are nowhere to be found, just like I knew you would be. Let's go to Brian on the north side. Brian, you're on with Double M. There's no profit in print anymore. you got to get your revenue from somewhere, Mark. No idea what you're talking about, but go ahead. Uh, anyway, so, Mark, uh, about the Vegas Golden Knights, uh, I think a lot of people have the notion that they it would be, quote-unquote, embarrassing for the NHL. I hear, you know, I don't know, opinions about that. And that's you, you know, you know what it would be embarrassing? Yeah. When the next expansion team doesn't get the same rules. Yeah. Because well, I don't Mark, think Mark, they're going to allow quite as liberal a situation when it comes to Seattle or whoever being able to immediately construct a Stanley Cup contender. Then again, I'm not sure it was that liberal this time. I just think George McPhee took advantage of teams who didn't want to lose this guy and got one or two guys to not take this guy, and it wound up being more than he would have got had he taken this guy. Well, maybe the other GMs would be smarter next time. But, Mark, I mean, don't you agree just at face value it's better for the NHL for the further Vegas goes? Because, I mean, no offense to, to Winnipeg, but who's gonna, who wants to tune in to watch the Winnipeg Jets? Well, who in, wants in to tune in to watch States Vegas? Vegas isn't exactly a huge media market, you know. Not necessarily, but in terms of the the curiosity of casual sports fans. I know, I know what you're thinking, that, that Vegas yeah. is a good story, right? 
Yeah, more eyes equal more money, right? Yeah, so well, I think yeah but Nashville was a good story last year, and the ratings weren't that high. Yeah, I mean, we'll see. But it's, it's not about good stories, bro. Good had. stories are a clear-cut second choice when it comes to drawing TV ratings. And you're right, it would be better than Winnipeg against Tampa, which nobody would watch. And I'm not sure many people would watch Winnipeg against Washington either. But the key to ratings is big market teams surviving late in the playoffs. And really the only key. Let's go to Art in the car. Art, you're on with Double M. Hey, Mark. Hey, uh, I just wanted to uh, tell you, I don't think you're being hard enough on the Pirates. Um, whenever they traded uh, Walker for Nice, didn't we end up trading Nice back to the Mets for Antonio Bastardo? Yes. So, yeah, so by the end of it, we gave away Neil Walker for nothing because we had Bastardo, let him go because he well, wasn't good enough. We gave away Neil Walker to, to, to rid themselves of his payday. I mean, let's let's look at this in, in in real terms, not you know baseball terms, because they deal in real terms, mm-hmm. loosely translated financial terms, and not baseball terms. But right. nobody can can attack what I just said in my monologue. No, I'm it's not. all true. <laughs> yeah. Oh, you can't pay this guy that. You can't pay that guy this. Well, actually, I'm pretty sure you can because you made eighty six million dollars over the past two years, and that's fact. Yeah. That's information easily accessible on the internet. Everything I just said is fact and easily mm-hmm. accessible on the internet. Yep. I, I would call out the blogs by name, but they're insignificant little nobodies, and, and they would benefit by my criticism because then people would know who they are. But they're shills, they're stooges, they're amateurs, they're weak, they're nonprofit. They are everything I am not, and I mean that in the worst possible way. Four one two three 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 ninety nine thirty nine. Mark my words. I'm going to say the number again right now. Four one two three 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 WXDX. And no one can defend. No one will call in and defend what the Pirates have done since 2015 on route to crazy profit. Crazy, crazy profit. Eighty six mil over the last two years. Eighty six mil. How are you going to defend that? I'd love to hear you try. 412-333-WXDX. And now the super genius, Mark Madden. Hey, Big Sexy. Hey, Mark. Love the show, man. You can have the iron sheet to humble one person. Who would it be? Sally Wiggins again. VX at 105.9. The phone lines are empty. Well, not empty, but bereft of people who want to tell me why the Pirates have done the right thing since 2015. Because they haven't. They've wrecked it. But you know what all these stooges and shills, these bloggers, these fringe media people will do? They'll go on their blogs and on Twitter and say, Oh, fat ass was ripping the pirates again. Shut up, fat ass. Because they won't go one-on-one with the great one because that is a path to destruction of whatever meager, meager offerings they make to social media, whatever it is they do, it sucks, they suck, and they don't know. I know. And I've spelled it out, and they're silent. And and you know what they're doing? They're listening to the B team. Because the B team's like, well, you know what? You can't pay so-and-so this. You can't pay so-and-so that. You have to maintain a budget. You have to do things like a small market team. They've done exactly the right thing. We like the Bucks. 
We have to kiss their ass because we're paid to. I mean, that last part came out wrong, but but you 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 now you might say I have to do the same thing with the Penguins. Well, we don't know that just now because they won the last two Stanley Cups, so it's kind of easy to put them in a favorable light, isn't it? And uh, when they sucked, I said they sucked, but I also said they had a plan because they did. The Pirates don't. Well, the Pirates do. It's just to rob this time blind. The Penguins are going to get back to the top again, and winning the lottery certainly accelerated that, but uh, their plan worked. Let's go to Joe in the car. Joe, you're on with Double M. Hey, Mark, how's it going? Terrific. Hey, hey, you brought up a point there. I was kind of wondering. That's another uh, song the Pirates sing all the time is, we're a small market team and we can't we can't keep nobody. But are the Steelers and the Penguins considered the Steelers small and Penguins operate too? in a league that uses a salary cap. It's a world of difference. But is it considered small market? I'm going to say this really slow this time. <laughs> okay, they're in leagues that use a salary cap, which eliminates the distinction between small and big market, or at least minimizes that distinction. All right, thanks. Thank you. Let's go to Matt in Murraysville. Matt, you're on with Double M. Hey, Mark. My question is, is the uh, Supreme Court leading court Phone stinks, bye. That guy wanted to ask about the legalized gambling. Uh, uh, Brett Smiley, a gambling expert based here in Pennsylvania, he says the outrageous tax burden here may allow illegal gambling to thrive with established bookies becoming competitors to casinos. Yeah, it depends what the VIG is, what the gambling tax is. If you don't know what I'm talking about, well, then you're not much of a gambler. But in Vegas sports books and with the local illegal bookies here in Western Pennsylvania, you have to bet $110 to win a hundred. That's where the bookies make the money. If the bets are even on each side of the point spread, they collect that juice, that 10%, and that's their profit. I'm assuming that the VIG will be the same with the legal bookies here in Pennsylvania, but but I don't know that because uh, the gambling here is going to be taxed at a rate of 36%. But I can't see the, the legal bookies charging more VIG. I can't. But the, the the local bookies, the illegal bookies will survive because, again, you can gamble on credit. Now, will the police now go after those illegal bookies with a bit more fervor, given that they're trying to take money out of the state's pocket through their illegal operation? I don't know. I mean, you had to try pretty hard to to get arrested as a bookie here in Pittsburgh. You had to be like, you know, using it to launder, I don't know, drug money, whatever. But uh, I've known a lot of bookies. I can only recall one that ever got arrested. And it was so long ago, I forget what the circumstances were. But uh, as I mentioned yesterday... 
Local bookies even take bets on the daily number. But they pay 600 to 1 straight instead of 500 to 1 straight like the state does. So I really do think that the the illegal bookies will survive. Let's go to Mike about Washington. Mike, you're on with Double M. Um, I just wanted to comment basically on the Pirates, and I honestly think they have done the best uh, of their ability. And I don't say that as a compliment, but I think this owner and manager and front office are so inept. It's insane to no, think they're, at this they're, point you they're see, ever going to be better. That's why you people are forever doomed to them getting away with their shenanigans. They're not inept. They know exactly what they're doing. Yeah, they, they laugh all the way to the bank, and people keep going. And okay, so money. inept is not the proper word. Yeah. Well, I... Yeah, inept as far as saying the S word on the radio? They're not inept. They know exactly what they're doing. And the best part is, they're committing thievery. They're robbing this time six ways towards Sunday, and they keep getting told by half the hoi polloi that... They're making all these great baseball moves and doing a great job. Meanwhile, the other half of the Hoi Polloi stopped going. You know how many people agree with me with what I'm saying about how they've effed the team up and broken trust with the customer since 2015? You know how many people agree with me? About 15K per game. We've got a Stan Saver next, 105.9. A Stan now the super genius mark madden mark you struck my last nerve you say that like you think i would remotely give a dump but do go on the x at 105.9 joining me now brought to you by the law firm of shenderovich shenderovich and fishman he is the godfather of the pittsburgh sports media it's stan saverin stan i want to mostly talk baseball today but uh josh Owey just wrote at the athletic.com that Jim Rutherford says he will not look to pursue cr- trading Chris Letang, but he also said Letang is not untouchable. Uh, what do you make of that? I think it's very unlikely Letang gets traded, and furthermore, I don't think the Penguins should deal him. Uh, I think what Rutherford's saying is that um, if you've got an offer, uh, I'll listen, um, and if it's so incredibly overwhelming, we can have a conversation. But as you know, trades, the way they start out, don't always end up that way. In other words, if he's telling people, well, if you got something to offer for Latang, um, you know, I'll accept your phone call. Um, but trades start out with talking about players A, B, and C and end up involving players D, E, and F. I mean, you know, who knows what can come from that initial conversation. Uh, I don't think they're going to trade him either, to be uh, honest with you. I think if, if they thought that their window had closed on winning another cup, and I mean winning a cup next year, uh, I think that there would be some thought of entertaining, you know, a 30-plus defenseman who makes that kind of money. But I still think while they have an eye on the future with younger players like Zach Aston, Reese, and Sprong, they also realize that their window is still very much open. And I think at this point, that would preclude a trade. I mean, I think it's exactly what Rutherford is saying. Stan, I want to talk about the Pirates because they're 23 wins and 17 losses so far. What's good about them? What's bad about them? And where do you think it's headed? I'm, I admit I'm surprised. Uh, I, I did not think they were going to be as bad as some who are saying they're going to lose 90, whatever. 
Uh, I never thought that. I thought that they would win 78 games. Uh, I still think they're on track for around that. Uh, I think what will end up hurting them is that the division is tough. The Reds aside, even they won six in a row, but, I mean, they're going to stink all year long. But the Cubs are the Cubs, and the Cardinals are always very competitive, and the Brewers are, are much better. And you play the majority of your game, 90-some, against those teams. So, I mean, that's, that's going to be a problem. Uh, I think that the offense has been much better than I anticipated. I think it's, it's fair to say, uh, and, you know, with no disrespect to anybody, that Corey Dickerson's numbers not only this year, but really the last three and a quarter years, are co- very comparable to McCutcheon's. Uh, I, I, he was a steal. They virtually got him for nothing. He's a solid major league player. He's, he's an all-star player. Uh, and I think that their offense, um, the Pirate outfield, is third best in run production in the major leagues. Not only that's going to continue, but when you stop and factor in that Polanco has done virtually, he's driven in some runs, but you know they expect so much more out of him, um, that their offense has been as productive as it has been, really without much from Polanco, and not as much as I think they eventually will get from Josh Bell. Um, it's pretty remarkable. Clearly, I mean, Colin Moran is better than anything they had there last year. Uh, I mean, I, I don't know how much power you can expect, but he is hitting in the 290s. I don't know if that will continue. And maybe the biggest surprise of all is that they have somehow managed to survive the loss of Harrison, who could be back as early as next week, um, and Cervelli. Um, I, you know, I don't know what's gotten into him. Maybe it was the injuries. I, th- I think I know what might have gotten into him, Stan. Contract. No, I got into him once before. Okay. <laughs> well, I don't know. That would explain the power. Um, I, I don't know. But whatever it is, uh, he has, you know, obviously produced well over what he's ever produced before. I think with the exception of one year when he was with the Yankees, he had a pretty good, I think he had 290-something. Uh, but, I mean, if you're looking at the overall, uh, I think that they're um, – Offensive production has been a major surprise. While I'm not sure this is sustainable, however, from a record standpoint, is that the starting pitching has been woefully inconsistent. Uh, we still don't know who or what Jamison Tyone is. I think we're getting a pretty good idea of what Ivan Nova has always been. Um, Trevor Williams has been better. Um, uh, Chad Cool kind of is what he is. Uh, I mean, so I think, you know, those issues, we all talked about how bad the bullpen was early. That seems to be sort of settling a little bit. But every night, when the, you know, whoever the starting pitcher is, you don't know what to expect. And until that stabilizes, I, I don't know that you can project that they're going to be a plus 500 team. Well, Stan, it, 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 it is kind of rotten to be pessimistic, but, but I am. I can see it falling apart. Case in point, Corey Dickerson's been great. He's a notorious first-half player, fades after the midway point. That's kind of scary given what he's contributing. Well, I mean, it would be. Um, and also, you know, he DH'd a lot. Now he's playing every day. You know, there's a big difference in that, too. But, the, again, what from a team perspective, um, I mean, I think you, you, you think that Polanco's capable of much more. And as I said earlier, I think Bell is capable of much more. I mean, I think Josh Bell's going to be a really solid major league hitter. I really do believe that. And, and I don't think he's had a great start to the season. The one thing that helps them out is um, the bench. Uh, the bench is pretty solid. It's veteran. Um, it's produced in the past. Uh, I, I, once Harrison gets back, uh, not that he 
in and of himself is the savior, but it does lengthen their their bench. Uh, and I think uh, whatever they end up doing, they got to find more playing time for Osuna. Uh, I'm not so sure. I wouldn't begin to platoon him in right. I'm not so sure I wouldn't begin to platoon him at third base. I think the guy can rake. I've always felt that way since I first saw him in spring training three years ago. Um, this could be a valuable guy for them. Is Polanco ever going to pan out? Stan, he's 26. He's no kid anymore. He got off to that great start, and since then he's done bupkis. Yep, and that's been his story. Um, you know, one minute, uh, you know, he, he looks like Clemente, and the, the next uh, minute, you know, he looks like um, Tyke Redman. Uh, you, know, I, I, you know, I don't know what to think of him. I would imagine that they're getting pretty frustrated with him. Last year was all injuries. Um, this year, to our best of our knowledge, he's not hurt. Um, uh, I don't know. Uh, you know, you see, it's one of those things where you see he, he can be a coach killer. You know, how many times have you seen a hockey player look at the towel, look at him skate, look at his shot, but it never comes together. And and I do think that this is kind of a year of decision with him. You know, 26 is not old, but he's been in the major leagues long enough to develop some sort of a track record. And all we see are spurts, fits and starts, too streaky. Um, you know, his defense is still you know, a substandard. His mental play is substandard. But all that, uh, if he just hit on a consistent basis, and he doesn't. He's shown some power, but you can't have him hitting 215 and think that he's going to be a staple as your right fielder. The Pirates don't have a number one starter, do they? In fact, Stan, I'm not sure they really have a number two starter. No, that's why I mentioned early on. We, you know, we're still trying to figure out exactly, you know, what Jamison Tyone is. I mean, he's had sort of a star crossed. I mean, here he had, you know, he started out with a great outing, and then he cuts up his finger. Uh, and we all know what other issues that you know he had. Um, he looks like he's got the talent, but we still can't say that with any degree of certainty. No, they don't have an ace. It's not Nova. Uh, you know, Nova. Is a, is a number three guy. He's never been anything more than a number three. Um, if he's the AC or staff, it's only because he's been around longer. No, they do not have, um, I wouldn't even use the word ace. I'm talking about a stopper, you know, the guy that Garrett Cole was supposed to be. We're talking to Stan Saverin, the godfather of the Pittsburgh sports media. He's brought to you by the law firm of Shenderovich, Shenderovich and Fishman. Stan, let's say they're in contention for the playoffs near the deadline. Will the Pirates add or subtract? If they're near contention, I think they'll add. Um, they have in the. You past. sure about that? Yep. Um, depends, you know, how close to contention they are. Um, being two games under, but still only being six games out. Uh, I'm talking about, and I'll I'll define what legitimate is. Um, they have in the past uh, when they went out and they got Marlon Bird and they went out uh, and they got Justin Morneau. Um, they got Hat. Their mistake was not keeping him and some of the other players. Um, I think they would. Certainly, uh, whatever their payroll is, whatever their budget is, they're well below it by any standard, um, and that can't be used as an excuse. Uh, I think they would. Now, whether they would go out and get Manny Machado, I mean, I doubt that. Um, the Dodgers will if they get the opportunity. I don't think that they'll go that high, but I think if they think that they've got an opportunity, they have to be sensitive to what people think. I think they would. Now, how big a move they would make, that's an entirely different conversation. Why is attendance drop, Stan? And it has quite dramatically. It's the average crowd has been cut in half since 2015. Yep. Well, I mean, I think the answers are obvious. Um, you know, they're not as good. Um, they're not as competitive. The the buzz from 
you know, being bad for so long. Don't, being, don't you feel like there's a trust issue there, Stan? Oh, well, I'm getting there. Okay. Uh, there's no question. And maybe I should have started with that. I buried the lead. But I was building <laughs> Stan, up. I do it all the time. Don't feel bad. Okay, I was building up to that, using all the evidence, and then coming home with the big hammer. Um, I, I think all those factors came in uh, to play. Uh, that, that's, you know, that's a natural thing. Their window of opportunity was only going to be open for so long, as it is with most small market teams. But therein lies the rub. That being, people felt that when they had that opportunity after winning 98 games, that they didn't take full advantage. I'm not saying that signing Jay Happ would have meant the difference in what their record in 15 was versus what their record in 16 was, but it's the effort to get there. Uh, my statement at the time was, when does now arrive? When is it now? Um, and that was now. And again, I don't know that necessarily signing Jay Happ would have meant that they would have been contenders in 16, but I also know that they were looking uh, to cut. I understand they didn't want to pay him uh, 13 or 12 million a year, not so much for that year, but when he was 36. Now he's 36. If you look at him, he's 500. His ERA is about 4.5 pitching for Toronto. But that's not the point. That's 2018. The issue was the focus should have been on 2016. I also suggest, and, you know, Neil Walker's kind of fallen off, as you might expect, for a guy of his age, but they would have been much better off just to keep him for the one year. Instead of trading him, even though they got nothing in return, keep him for the one year. You were a better team with Neil Walker on the roster than you were without him. And if he leaves after one year, that year of free agency, then fine. Let him go. They've never been willing to let a guy go because they said, oh, we won't get anything in return. Well, how much do you normally get in return anyway? Stan, real quick, how will legalized sports gambling impact the sports themselves, and what will the effect be locally? Well, that's a great question. I've been uh, talking about that and debating it, I think, a couple of ways. Um, it, it, number one, it will depend on how professional sports owners figure out how to monetize this. I mean, clearly there's going to be an increase in betting, either because people's comfort level with doing it or, or, or people you know, making it easier for them. You know, imagine you're sitting at the PNC Park and you're watching a pirate game and uh, and and, and uh, Dickerson comes up to the plate, and you can, you know, on your phone, put in and say, uh, what's the odds on him getting a hit next time? And you can bet right there on your phone. Uh, you know, and, and the way we are today in society, uh, that's going to increase act- activity. The question is, how will professional sports owners monetize this? You heard what Mark Cuban said. He thought that this will, at the minimum, double the value of each franchise. I can't answer that until I figure. Well, how are they going to? Are they going to get a, a you know a piece from the state, whichever state that they're in? Are they going to say, hey, if you don't have this product, you're not getting any action on it? I, I don't know how that's going to work. Stan, I, I, yeah, I hear talk about an integrity tax, but I don't think there's going to be a kickback to the teams. Uh, Vegas has never done it. I don't think this new endeavor uh, w- w- will get anything from the teams. I, I just think it is what it is. Maybe so. Maybe maybe a state says, "Okay, your rate on taxes, our 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 take on tickets is seven percent. Uh, now it'll be six. You know, something like that um, to save the money." I think where you might see an immediate effect, Mark, is in TV ratings uh, because let's face it, people. Some people have no interest in a game whatsoever. 
But if they got a bet on it, you can bet they're going to watch it. It's what made Monday Night Football, which makes the NFL the largest hypocrites in the world when they say, well, we're against this. No, you know, it's one of the reasons that, that football became so popular. Uh, so I think that, A, more people may watch if they've got action on the game. Or as someone suggested today, um, people may watch longer. Um, assuming that people who didn't bet or didn't bet as frequently will now, you know, if a, if a game is 28 to 14 with, you know, eight minutes to go, um, you know, you might click off. But if you've got the dog and you're getting seven and a half, you ain't turning off so fast. Uh, and the longer people watch TV, the higher the ratings and the more the pro sports leagues can demand from the networks. That to me could be a tangible effect. Stan, great stuff as always. We'll see you Thursday on your program. All right, Mark. Thanks a lot. That's Stan Saverin brought to you by the law firm of Senderovich, Senderovich, and Fishman. They got your back, not your wallet. Talk to Bob McLaughlin next year on 105.9. Ford Wexford. And now the super genius, Mark Madden. Damn it, I'll be popular in Pittsburgh yet. Hey, Mark, ball fan. I think I got to start with pulled pork nachos. Hey, super genius. How you doing today? Fantastic. The X at 105.9. Here's a tweet typical of Pirate fans and their anger when I tell them the truth on this program. James Kent uh, tweets, Hockey guy now trying to talk baseball since his season has ended. Go away. And the guy's icon is Clemente. You know why his icon is Clemente? Because that's all you Pirate fans have way back when. You have to jump in the way back machine every time you want to talk about winning a playoff series, let alone a World Series. Shut up, fat ass. You got no... I get this sometime. Listen to the wording of this. You got no right to talk baseball. I have the right to do anything I want on the most successful sports radio show in the history of this dump you live in. That's what I have the right to do, and I've earned that right, and I've prospered by that right. And all you're going to get between now and the trade deadline is another bucko collapse and departures. They could be contending on the day of the deadline. They're trading Jay Hay if they can to dump that $10 million salary that only goes up next year and the year after because he's still got this year and two more on his contract. I'm joined now by Bob McLaughlin. Bob brought to you by 84 Lumber. Bob, at 4 o'clock... I went through a detailed description of how the Pirates have screwed the pooch on being competitive since that 98-win season in 2015. I talked about the seven regulars they ditched by the trade in out of the next season. I talked about the $86 million they've made in each of the last two seasons. And yet some still try to portray them as a victim, uh, in, in this case the victim of a boycott which has cut their attendance in half per game since 2015, and of course will force them to trade Josh Harrison because it's up to you fans who we keep. Uh, And yet no response from the citizens except a few to call in to agree. Bob, you got to admit, I am always right, but even more so when it comes to the Pirates. People say I don't know baseball. Oh, I understand exactly what this franchise is doing and what it's all about. Well, you also know how to pick your battles or pick your arguments because there's no opposite side to that discussion. Oh, but, I mean, but some think there is. I know they think but, there. But they won't pick up a phone to express it to me. 
They all got their little blogs and their Twitter account and their Facebook, and they do the circle jerkle on the Twitter <laughs> thing, but they don't have the balls to go one-on-one with the great one. Well, the one thing I would like to see is uh, maybe people can't argue that point because, I mean, the proof is out there, and I think a lot of a lot of Pirate fans have 86 figured that out. 86 mil profit, Bob, over yeah. the last two seasons. Yeah, that's a monster number. Uh, 86 mil. That's That's why they can't call and argue the other side of that discussion and I think that's why you see the you've already given the numbers of the people staying away from PNC Park. And I think that a lot of those people are figuring that out. And maybe you would have gotten those phone calls a year ago, two years ago, definitely three years ago. Uh, you're not going to get them now because I think too many people have come around. And for although, eight- although you could have got them in 2016, even as they were dismantling that team. Sure. And Bob, it's accurate to say they dismantled that team, isn't it? It's, I, I mean, the, it, the only thing that lacked it. was a mushroom cloud. They yeah. blew it up. Yeah, it's the perfect word for it. They absolutely did dismantle it. Now, the one thing, Mark, and uh, you know, I'd like to take the other side of part of the discussion here is that y- you gave the eighty-six million figure. If the Pirates are in contention, a couple of weeks out, two weeks out, one week out, they have no other play than to go forward and try and make something of it this year. And I know that they haven't done that in the years past, but Mark, with the people staying away from the ballpark right now, and with that number out there already, they have no other recourse than to go out and try and make a win. But those numbers have been out there for quite some time, Bob. Why would this year be different? Because of the declining attendance? And and I, I see where you're coming from, and I think that's a reasonable guess on your part. But in the past, they have used that declining attendance to justify cutting payroll. No, and look where it got them. Look where the people are staying away in droves right now, Mark. And that number, I mean, it's going to get boosted by about $40 million every year, just around $40 million because of the way baseball's economics guarantee the Pirates to make that. And I know that there was the huge electronic $50 million plus in there that, you know, teams got to spend and stuff. But the Pirates are still well, going right, to right, make... Right, right, from, from the new media sale. Yeah, from the new media sale when they teamed up with all the other leagues and stuff. And now they control all of that. Boy, and that's really working out well for people who try and follow stats and try and follow baseball online, right? I mean, could that be any worse? It's, it's run like the Pirates run their team. We look for one stat, and it takes us 25 minutes to find it online. But anyways, with those numbers out there and with the Pirates guaranteed to make money, if they are close this year, they have to go, you know, they have to make a move to solidify their position in the playoffs. They have to. I agree, but I think it depends how close – and I think it would have to be real close for them to do it. So, like, like Stan said, if they're two games under 500, but still like five games out of a playoff spot, I don't think that'll be close enough for them to add. In fact, at that point, I think they might subtract. I think they would have to be in a playoff spot or like a, a game or two out for them to justify adding in their own minds. Okay, that's valid. And let's uh, I'll even add to that, Mark. I'll say that they won't even care about the 500 number if they are so I'd say four games within the last week, two weeks. If they're around four games before for that, the trade deadline, before the trade deadline, right? I don't know about that. I think it's going to be tighter than that. That's Bob McLaughlin brought you by eighty four lumber. Legalized gambling on sports is coming to this great nation of ours. It's been in Vegas for years. Now it's going to be everywhere, and I think, I think the big concern is. How can I turn a profit from it? How can this benefit me, Mark Madden? In 30 seconds, I'll tell you how here on 105.9 The X.